It is the Chicagoverse podcast on the Dynasty Podcast Network, featuring interviews with Chicago's premier artists in industry and creatives and culture leaders. Hosted by Haima Black, welcome to Chicago. Dynasty Podcasts, we are live right now. Uh, Haima Black, I am here in Chicago and I'm on Zoom with Matt Devine uh, out in LA, man. How are you doing? Good, man. This is just like old times. Right. Like it's just like old times, except like completely entirely different. But but yeah, like, you know, it's a throwback because obviously you and I have known each other for a very, very long time. Anybody who's followed Dynasty Podcasts or Kill Hannah, you know, knows about Q101, all of our back history. Um, but it's really great to talk to you today, man. I'm really glad we got to do this. Same, man. Same. It's nice to hear your your buttery voice again. <laughs> well, you know, it's like we've been talking about doing this for months, and it was something where like you were in LA, I was in Chicago. And then the one week where I was in LA, you were out here in Chicago for all-star week. So we just kept missing each other when everything was based around being in the same physical space. But now, yeah. now it's like you can connect with anyone anywhere. It's crazy. Yeah, we, we've been talking about this since winter. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's going to be a big thing we talk about today is just the fact that everything can be virtual and all these kind of things. But before we dive into all that stuff, like, how are you doing? How's the year treating you? I mean, I know how this year is treating everybody, but how are you doing? Oh, thanks for asking. Yeah, I'm doing well. I am. Yeah, like you said, I'm in, I'm in Hollywood. Um, it's been. Yeah, I'm just here in my little cottage. I call it. We call it the Nano Mansion, the Nano Manch. Nice. Which, which is just a fancy way of saying like tiny <laughs> little cabana. And uh, yeah, I had a housewarming here a little while back, and the theme of it was miniature, so people were served like. <laughs> airline bottles of booze and little two inch like not like two ounce plastic you know red plastic cups and i had ice cubes that were like miniature ice cubes everyone walked in the door got a little red two ounce plastic cup and like party cup and then like plunk plunk like two tiny (laughs) like the smallest ice cubes you've ever seen and then like of course like mini sliders and all that stuff but um yeah wish you were here for that but uh yeah everything's just overall great just grinding really a lot on on cameos so that's the sort of thing where you know post-covid it's actually been busier for us um yeah fortunate to be like you in a position where you know we're a little bit ahead of it and i think this is in a cool way accelerating acceptance and adoption of what we've been doing anyway so whereas a lot of you know there are a ton of people organically learning about it a lot of artists coming on organically and it's just become more household name and, and zeitgeist but still i think a lot of people were taking a little more of a casual approach what we'll see you know and and given covid it's just accelerated that because with all the artists home from tour and obviously how our, all of our lives have been disrupted they've had, they have the time and i feel lucky that we're in a place to actually give them a tool for survival to make enough to make up for all that lost revenue and still, you know, thinking about musicians specifically, like they're, this is months where they, they don't even get, it's not even about the money as much as it is. They don't get the chance to have that, you know, magic with their fans and that, you know, it gets to interface in that way. That's so life-changing for fans, like as you and I both are, and we know from both sides of things. So, so yeah, so it's, so it's been, there's, really been little time for anything else and that's okay and i and a day in the life for me looks like pretty much kicking it <laughs> kicking it here right. for, 
10 hours and uh you know doing yeah a lot of a lot of zoom calls and um yeah how you know we're starting to see things return to normalcy a little bit um my favorite neighborhood bar la Poubelle, just opened a couple days ago for the first time and other than that um yeah i mean you know what dude i've been going to bed at 10 o'clock for the first time in my life. <laughs> like i'm i've never honestly i would never have known that i could do that i just if not for this you know so we've just been getting up crazy early headquarters in chicago so typically our first meeting every day out here is, is 7, 7 a.m to begin with but right normally you know you know me and whether it was hustling for kill hannah or hustling for this or whatever like you and i are also the type of guys that you know we may have a full day and then we have a second basically act two of each day where it's like all right well now there's a dinner now there's a show now there's a post show now there's a gallery show now there's a you know some sort of opening or some sort of you know a place for us to to network and see our homies and i have known nothing other than that life until now so this i never i just didn't think i had it in me i didn't think i could be content with any normalcy in my life until now and now i'm like on the other side of it where i'm like I said no to a, to an event last night. <laughs> I was hearing myself exactly when I was typing was something, the sort of shit that like really bummed me out when, when people would write it to me. I'm like, oh, I hit a wall and I want to be really sharp. <laughs> I want to be really sharp for tomorrow morning. It's like, who the fuck am I? Like, when did that happen? So um, we'll see. So it's, yeah, I'm pretty much same old dude. Just I have structure. And yeah. That, and that's bizarre and it's freaking me out. Well, and so I want to dig into all the cameo stuff, all the musician stuff, everything you're talking about. But one of the things that I was personally curious about is like, obviously your past life is Kill Hannah. You know, a lot of people know you from from that world. When that wraps up a few years back, like, you know, what was that mindset like? Because that was obviously something you were doing since you were in college. That was your whole adult identity. Your whole adult life was Kill Hannah. And then you know, when that goes away, what's the mindset like in the days, weeks, months afterwards? You know, how did you adjust? It's scary. It's really scary. You know, like how you pointed out. Yeah, it's different than saying it's a career. It's it's really just who you are, every cell of your being. And if it wasn't, we wouldn't have gotten to, you know, to the places that we did. I mean, man, even earlier than college, it was, it was an all in psychotic commitment, life or death attitude towards, you know, making it in the music industry. Uh, ever since I was, I mean, before my prefrontal cortex was fully <laughs> evolved, like my entire, from adolescence on. And it was, it was literally life or death because my philosophy was it's either going to go and it's going to work or I'll kill myself straight up. And my worldview at that point, which again, I don't, I think that I, I had some pretty unhealthy philosophies, but I, but honestly, I don't think any, I don't think you can make it unless you have unhealthy philosophies as an artist, because it's just, it's psycho and it doesn't make sense on paper. So for me, my, my worldview at that point was, and again, you know, I'm, I'm reading, I'm reading like Oscar Wilde and I'm, and I'm idolizing all the same people that you and I idolize. And for me, it was rather a tortured artist 
known and appreciated for what you're bringing to the table there and you're and you're moving you're just like driving culture forward and fully just sucking the marrow out of life and living one adventure to the next like on the edge of insanity and just the romance and spirit of that whole thing or you are an automaton just some sort of lemming going along who privately wants to be a rock star but because you didn't ever express it or you didn't have the balls to take a chance you're dead inside i I saw the world is binary for me pretty much up until a few years ago no joke yeah that 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 was also the fuel and that was the drive that was uh, that energized us to do this sort of unglamorous unglamorous tedious awful shame-filled shit that we had to do you know i mean the early years for us were really really hard and it took you know as you were there for the whole ride but it was like six years seven years of in chicago playing every show we can get until we finally even got got a record deal and then that deal was just a new beginning uh there's the first chance people outside chicago ever heard of us so then it was another 10 years after that you know Um, it was just always uphill yeah and and the stuff that you know especially in chicago just given how ruthless that city is and and how difficult it is to break through the noise and how polarizing we were it was just uh, looking it's funny because there were so many times where we put, we were playing massive shows and we finally did thank god build up enough of a fan base and get some support in the city and then start actually meaning tickets in the city and being a part of a scene and helping to helping to create something really special and meaningful and relevant there at that time that was so gross and thankless and painful <laughs> I mean, this handing out flyers in the, sh- in the snow and going to just humiliating yourself. You know, a lot of people don't, I don't think have the, it's one thing to have the hustle to do that. It's another thing to have the humility and, and yeah, I don't know if it's ego. God, that's a different question. Like, it, is it a matter of super inflated self-worth or zero self-worth that you would go to a line of cool kids in line at a Smashing Pumpkins to get into a Smashing Pumpkins show and give them a kill Hannah ticket or a kill Hannah flyer or a kill Hannah CD and beg them to come see you next week at some, you know, at some venue. So it's a very, very long context to, to answer the question. Just to, just, just to say that if that's all, you know, and then, yeah, then there's another 10 years on top of it where it's just, it's just a grind and it's everything that you are in particular for me, because, you know, it was my lyrics and it was, more so I think my direction a little more my vision and called on a lot of things that I that I just love doing so I love brand as it turns out like I love branding <laughs> I didn't know it was, that's what I was doing at the time but I love you know our, coming up with our logos I love designing our t-shirts I love um, thinking of music video concepts I love meeting fans after shows I love crashing out in a van or a bus or a boat or whatever yeah i mean it was it was an aesthetic and it was a lifestyle for sure like yeah, that was clear it, for anybody who saw yeah and it really was everything so that so that when it when that train was moving i was on my purpose so that so i had 100 percent sense of purpose in my life so so that no matter what we were doing on whatever it looked like on paper and maybe it wasn't that impressive on paper but I, no one 
no one told me that I was, that I did not deserve a seat at any table in the fucking world. So I, I just always had that sense that I'm on my purpose. The gods and the stars are aligning to facilitate my, you know, whatever my act in this play, my contribution, my verse to the world itself. Um, so that I had it, literally, I, I look back on some of this stuff. I did, it was really outrageous, but yeah, I felt like, I felt like I deserved a seat next to the greatest minds and person, you know, personalities in the world in any, in, in any venue, not, not just music. And uh, so, so that that's all just to say that when Kill Hannah disbands, when my solo record runs that album cycle and when the practical reality of just what's involved in getting a new project off the ground or really breaking through that next ceiling because we were that was one frustration for us forever was just the fact that god there's always another yeah it's always a climb like you said so there's there's always that next mountain and you're never totally satisfied it's like until you're lenny kravitz level everything feels like you're still losing but you're you're on your purpose and it's the fight that you choose and it's the battle that you're in and you never second guess it until it's gone, you know, and, and the reality for me and, and which actually led in a big way to my appreciation for Cameo and for these tools that are there to give these artists these new means to disrupt the industry and to make to survive in a system that's fucked and in a system that's engineered to destroy them. <laughs> right. So so when, so it was tough, man. It was like. I remember because I had to, it was all at once. It was almost, it was like a midlife crisis for me. You know, it was, I had put off a lot of, I was very, very good at dodging reality, dodging accountability. I didn't want to be accountable. I didn't, I, th I thought accountability was maybe one of the most distasteful words in the world. Like the fact that I owe somebody an explanation for them with this, the fact that I have to, be a man of my word. The fact that I can't just go fuck off and drink and jump on a train down the coast of England because I want to. That's, I feel like all of that was entitled to us because of that first mountain that we climbed. I thought that, dude, if anybody knew the torture that we endured for that decade to get to a point where I can fuck off, I thought it was all, I, I thought it was all very well deserved, you know, and, and maybe it was, but at the same time, what it did do is just really, really prolong the Peter Pan stage, right? So, yeah. you, you know, and, and a man in his going into his 30s and then 40s carrying with him, you know, expressing themes that were, that really mattered to me in my teens and in my 20s felt off and then felt a little less, you know, disingenuous. And then I didn't know what the next step was for me. So when all of that crumbles, you're like, what the fuck am I now? I'm a guy that was in a band. That's what I am. And it's really scary. And, and I actually, to a point, identified with some, I'm, I'm, I've been hearing all these horror stories of dudes leaving bands and hanging themselves. And it didn't make sense to me at the time. And I'm telling you, it made sense to me. <laughs> I mean, I didn't, I didn't consider it, but it, I didn't think it was a crazy option. 
you know, because I'm like, all right, I gave this life a good go. <laughs> like, we, you know, that was it, man. You know, we, we took our shot and, we, and we, it was a great run. And I could write memoirs for days about the really rare, cool, beautiful experiences that I was privileged enough to, you know, to have and, and the friendships and those once in a lifetime moments. And, but I was like, what now? Like, I'm not going to go literally i was like i don't know what do i go i'll go be a fisherman or something i didn't i didn't know so i it took a minute to it really took a minute to wrap my head around what's next and there's a way to adult up is there a way to adult up that doesn't compromise my soul and, right. and i had to do a lot of learning i had to do a lot the shit that you and other men learn incrementally along the way through maybe mistakes or through lessons learned or through mentorship or through um, just the consequences of life itself. I, I had to learn all at once. I, 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 had, I had to really crash. I had to burn it all down and I had to start all over and think about, okay, okay, this is why integrity matters. This is why accountability matters. This is why real friendships matter. This is why reputation matters. Like, I no longer want to be the guy that's cool. I don't want to be the guy that can party. I don't want to be like an interesting conversation, but that no one ultimately takes seriously or could ever imagine their daughter dating kind of a thing. So I, I had a basically a two year crash course and just life itself. And um, it sucked. And, but it was also the biggest, biggest, growth opportunity I've ever had. And it's led to, to mega, mega breakthroughs. And the biggest takeaway of all from that was the fact that my worldview was incorrect <laughs> and that the truth is the world is much more complex than, than binary. And there are, outside of being on stage as a lead singer, there are indeed venues to express creativity and make big moves and be relevant and do cool shit um, in a different way to the point where I, I now look back on who I was with a lot of fondness and a lot of pride, but also like I'm very, I'm 100% content to put that in its own category and in its own phase and in, you know, its own chapter in my book. And it's pretty wild, the doors that have opened lately and the people that I've met and the experiences I'm having now, because the truth is some of them, are, it's like more sharper, cooler, more interesting, more accomplished uh, people, deeper conversations, cooler parties, <laughs> you know, um, much, much more interesting, exposed to much more interesting shit than I even realized you ever would be. I, th I thought, I thought being the lead singer of a band was the top of the food chain. And I no longer think that it is. Well, I mean, in the 90s and in the 2000s, it was like that was as good as it gets, you know, and now working in tech is, I would imagine, 100 percent sexier than being the front man of a band, you know, at this moment in time today. So, you know, when do you get to Cameo? What was Cameo like at that time? Because I would imagine it's not what it is now. Like, let's let's move into the present, like talk about connecting with Cameo, what your role is there, what you're doing. Let's let's get into that stuff. Yeah, when I when I came over here this was this is about two years ago and i had worked for in i was figuring things out i started managing artists i didn't know exactly i, I knew that and any 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 member of killian is in the same boat they all adulted far 
earlier and better <laughs> more gracefully than I did. But, but, you know, any, I should say this, anyone in almost any band at a certain level, just by the nature of that hustle has, has acquired a skill set that, that can be applied outside of the band almost by accident, you know? So from merchandising to marketing, to branding, to social media management, to, um, uh, like yeah, digital marketing, whatever, all of, all this stuff that we're doing with street teams and uh, graphic design, all that, all that stuff. It's funny. Like not to interrupt you, dude, but it's like I teach this class over at Columbia College, and it's a freelancing class. And when I talk to students about the hustle and branding, it's like you know there are a lot of examples I'm drawing on from my own life when I talk about this. But it's like your guys' work in Kilhanna is part of that. You guys were really on the brand like you guys were branding before people were doing branding or before people talked about branding the way that they talk about it now where now everyone has a brand everyone's an influencer but you guys were out branding and influencing in your own way back then so you know i want to let you continue but i'm not surprised that based on just the marketing mechanics of what you guys were doing in that band that that led you to where you are now to me it seems like a perfect transition Totally, totally. Yeah, and please, by the way, never, please cut me off. Like, just, <laughs> it'll be a better, it'll be a better podcast if you're cutting me off. So please, don't worry about my feelings. And uh, yeah, truly, that's, that is the case. And, and I thought more than anything, I thought uh, managing other artists would be a really good fit. So I started managing some artists. And I've, I've been seeing that transition for a lot of people um, just over the last several years. So Benji and Joel Madden, for example, happened i saw them start a management company a few years ago which is now in my opinion possibly the coolest management company on earth called madden mddn and so that's a pretty not predictable but it's that that's a pretty obvious pivot for a lot of people since you know let me share my mistakes with someone younger and you know let me give you some guidance and also having been through four different management companies in our career I can pretty much say that I can tell you what I don't like. I can tell you what sucks for artists. I can tell you that artists need to feel safe and need to feel understood and that you're speaking the same language. So at the very least, I was like, all right, I can be, I can be a good manager. It turns out managing is, is no more secure of a gig than being in a band itself because it's still, it's still feast or famine. Your artist either goes big or or you starve so um that was that was experimental for me and i learned that yeah i'm actually i have some strengths in managing i i definitely suck at managing as well they're they're just skill sets to a manager that i thought i i didn't realize were so vital so i actually actually went back to a couple of my managers with a little bit more empathy and <laughs> <Dude, laughs> only i didn't realize like honestly when i was an artist i was like you are blessed to be managing us <laughs> like so of course i'm going to call you every night at two in the morning and i don't care that your wife is gets angry about it i don't care that your you know your kids get that it wakes up your kids we're out here like we're you're basically managing you too so you know <laughs> this is, you know we're on the front lines. We're at war. Yeah. 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 And I, I expected the exact same buy-in as a band member having zero appreciation for the fact that these are adults with, you know, a, adult needs and, and that they weren't making a fucking penny from, from us. So I was really demanding as an artist uh, to my managers. And at the same time, 
not really the, the cash cow that, that they had hoped for. So it's kind of the worst of all worlds, needy and uh, <laughs> unprofitable, and not profitable. That's also, you know, I was just in the game figuring out who am I now? Am I Matt Devine, the manager? I could be, I guess, you know, and I, I kind of also through those experiments learned where I think there are, where there's a lot of room for growth and management in general. Like what's, what is the hustle of the manager? What are the different blueprints for successful management companies? There's behemoths and there's, you know, sort of mom and pops and there's independence and all the rest. So I kind of got my head around just the economics of all that and where I, I think I could fit in it. And, but I really went into it with a little bit of an apprentice spirit where I wanted to learn and I was able to team up with a couple big established managers and, and learn a lot. But ultimately I wasn't that awesome. I just wasn't an awesome manager. I wasn't, it's, it's a thing. You'd be a better manager. Yeah, I've seen how how thankless it is. It looks like an incredibly difficult job because you're a parent, you're a babysitter. It's, you know, we we both know what it's like working with talent, you know, and, and you, you know, you are and have been on the music talent side. But it's like artists are great at being creative. They're not great at listening to structure and, you know, adhering to that kind of like regiment. So I know a lot of it's kind of clerical. It's that, you know, I used to get really frustrated with my managers if ever an email fell through the cracks. And I couldn't understand why, if there was an opportunity for us to make money, that I would find out about it later after it was too late when that person finally got a hold of me directly. Um, it turns out as a, as a manager, yeah, you, you either have that instinct for to be thorough and, and detail-oriented or you, I don't think you're, you're just not going to be a good, good man. Or you hire somebody that can do that for you. But as you're getting started, you can. So you, yeah, you just really have to be conscientious. And I, and I was not that, you know, I was trying to be, and I just was not, but it did open my eyes to, to the fact that that was like the first time ever since being an artist where I found that me, that the dude standing on the side of the stage as the band was on kind of like with the arms folded, like nodding, like, I'm like, yeah, I kind of like this. I kind of, I, I kind of dug me on that side of it. And, um, and I did not in any way envy the artist. That's the other thing. Like, it, it's not like some compromise where I was privately desperately dreaming of another shot or that this is some massive compromise. It was, it was just more, it felt, it felt right. It felt like, okay, I want to be the guy on the side of the stage now. I want to be, I want to be part of the, I want to be part of the Illuminati. I want to be part of the sort of puppeteers. So even though, I wasn't fantastic at that. It was still, it was, it was introduced me to, to something that I never thought I could wrap my head around. So, and then that led to um, working for, uh, for a tech company out of Finland that was doing something very similar to Cameo. And this was years ago, but it's a pretty similar model and a crew of about 10 peeps based in Finland, part of a FinTech thing. They raised a certain amount of money. And I, I believed in that the first time I heard of it. And along with us, there, there are a number of other startups and, and companies that were experimenting with some versions of the same thing, you know. Uh, it spoke to me because I, I just knew firsthand the struggle of the artists. I know, I know how tough it is to make money. I know that there are a lot of artists out there who already did the hardest part where they grew a fan base. They've got this loyalty. They've got fans that want to get a hold of them and would support them. Um, they have the Instagram numbers, but literally they don't know where their next paycheck is coming from. It's just the, the, 
the reality of just the economics of the industry itself and a band and being an artist just sucks. And I also know how hard it is for fans to get a hold of their favorite artists. I know that no fan wants to be shooting you a hundred DMs and feel like they're bumming you out or humiliating themselves, themselves or leaving comments in your Instagram or emailing a vague info at Smashing Pumpkins email. And, you know. and that goes nowhere. No one checks yeah. those. Right. Yeah. So I saw, yeah. I saw those two things clearly identifying a very real need. And of course, like you, I'm, I'm also in it from the fan perspective itself. I'm, I'm more so a fan than I am an artist. And so this, this was one of many companies trying to address the same thing. And I was actually their proof of concept. So even it was all kind of drawing board, theoretical, what they call, you know, a VIP version of an app. It's janky. It's just, just kind of trying to prove the beta. Yeah. 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 And, and so I said, all right, I put myself on there. Hey, you know, any fans of mine want to ask me a question, hit me on this app, pay me $5 or whatever it is. And I'll, I'll hit you back. And this fan in, um, in Delaware hit me back. And, and, and so I responded, she asked me what my favorite color was. And so I wrote, you know, I said, sent a video saying like, you know, here's my theory on color in general. <laughs> and then she wrote, you know, I got a, I got a, a video from her like crying and, and, and so touched by the fact that she didn't know if it was real. She didn't know what it was. She took a gamble on it. And so that, that was, that was a moment that for sure to me in my, in my heart just proved that what I, what I believe to be true could actually be practically true. Um, unfortunately that was also that company was, pretty mismanaged. I think it was very early culturally. I just don't think we were as a, as a world just ready for that. You know, there are all these, I've, I've seen all these watershed milestones in our own evolution around this, where I remember the first time we ever, I remember the first time we were on tour with 30 seconds to Mars and those guys started charging for meet and greets. Right. And yeah. I yeah. It was insane. I, I thought it was totally insane you're like me and greg and johnny have been going to meet everybody for 13 years for free and everyone in the world as, as right. far as I know, they were one of the first bands ever to do that like wait a minute you expect someone who just bought a ticket and just sat through a show and just bought a t-shirt to then also come over into this line and pay again just to get a picture with you i thought i thought it was cruel cut to a year later and it's just standard it's like best practices you know people are making as much from those meet and greets as they are from the guarantee of the show itself and now it's just part of the fabric of of the the whole business and similarly i you know same thing with all these you know uber like you're gonna get in that stranger's car he's gonna or airbnb you're gonna let that axe murderer stay on your couch you know all of those it was always awkward and bizarre whenever something that's will one day become normal. It, it, it always seems shocking at first. And, and it was similar with this, where it was, it was a real uphill battle. The world wasn't ready. That company certainly wasn't ready because it was also a Finnish based company. So it was like weird misspellings on everything. And like the brand was, the branding was off and the UX was off. And I was having to stake my reputation and my, you know, on calling favors to try to get artists tried out. And some did thank God, but it was, it was, really tough and ultimately ran out of money and you know went away and then i was still a managing artist and then two years it was like maybe two years later a buddy sent me a new york times article on cameo and he's like is this what you were doing isn't this like what you were talking about like your vision for where this could one day be kind of a thing i was like oh my god so 
that's what happened. I saw I saw Cameo essentially as like the manifestation of my best dreams of where that concept could go if it, if it was adopted and if it was run well and if leadership really were on the ball and if it had if it had support from silicon valley ballers and all that like i learned also along the way just how important that is it can be even the right concept with the wrong team or it could be you know you could just choose to focus too early on the wrong aspects of a business that ultimately don't matter it's it's more so who's around it who's who's running the show who's you know and and thankfully for me i came in and it's just like okay these guys know far more than i do and it and it's like anyone out there yourself included can attest for anyone who wants to be part of a team it's a band it's it's a you know it's a company whatever it is it's vital that you trust the ones who are running the show so that you can actually focus on what's in front of you and do do a good job without having to second guess the whole thing and that was really nice for me knowing that for the most part I'm the dumbest person in the room at this company. And it's, and so that every time I sit down, every time I go into a meeting, I'm, I'm there to study. I'm there to learn. I'm learn, I'm there to get better. And I'm, you know, trying not, not to make a fool of myself. And day after day after day of that, thankfully it's just, it just feels 100% natural and cool. Well, and you're the head of music partnerships there. I don't know if we said that yet, but, but you are now head of music partnerships at Cameo. And I have to think that all the experience, you know, everything we talked about, everything everyone all here in Chicago has seen, like all that Kilhanna backstory struggle, everything, you know, the fact that you've been on the artist side, that you've been on the stage, that means you know how to talk to these artists. So bring us into like what the process is like. I would imagine now it's easier to convince artists than it was probably at the beginning because today everything makes sense online. But What's that dialogue like when you're reaching out to artists, when you are convincing them like, hey, this is not embarrassing, you know, do a video greeting with someone for $60. That should honestly be like, that should be my, my motto. Hey, trust me, this is not embarrassing. (laughs) You might think it is. You're going to dress like elves every Christmas at the Metro. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Listen to this song. Trust me, it's not embarrassing. Yeah, it's true. It's honestly, there's so many similarities between trying to get a band off the ground and trying to get this startup off the ground, really. And so, yeah, to your, to your question, it's, um, well, it got easier every day, but the early days at Cameo were a real struggle because um, you're talking about, at that point, uh, still, I think, early culturally. So it's a little, you're you're really looking for those artists who have their, they have their, whole thing on fleek and they have the the, they know themselves and their audience well enough that they can take super calculated risks and be ahead of the curve and there aren't many artists like that a lot of them especially with managers you know big management companies and teams around them instead are much more likely to take a well let's wait and see like what's any anything that you lead out on early is a risk to your brand because you go out there and you tell your fans to check you out on this app and that app does not exist two, two months later, you look really foolish and you've diluted your brand and you've eroded the trust that you have with your fans. So, so rightly, a lot of these um, management companies and, and artists are, are super resistant in the beginning days. So it's really frustrating. We'd have, we were going to, um, but it's, you know, it's, it is, it's a lot like the band. Cause you're like, 
I know this is real. Like, I really believe in this. You gotta, you know, you gotta trust me. <laughs> you gotta right. Take a chance and just, I you know, we will not let you down. This is the future, believe me. Um, but I remember, yeah, same, funny, same thing. But, you know, we'd go out to Sundance. And I remember a few of us, a couple of us from the Cameo Squad went out to Sundance to kick it in one of the little activation booth where uh, Associated Press was set up so that every every big celebrity at Sundance had to be funneled through this, you know, this one lodge to get their photo taken. So it's a cool spot you think to just pounce and ambush on celebrities and get them to sign up on Cameo. And it was like a lot of things, you know, it was, it was fucking humiliating. You know, you're like, they'd never heard of it. They don't care. Last thing in the world they want to do at Sundance is talk to someone about an app no one's heard of. And, you know, they hear, just the concept of you know you expect their fans to put their credit card in in the app but the whole thing is just it was just a real real battle and um very very tough and you know we had some wins along the way but uh at that point there were you know i don't know maybe two maybe one two thousand talent across the whole platform youtubers athletes and musicians the music vertical was really underrepresented i think there was Soldier Boy and uh, Sean Kingston and, and, you know, a few others. In my mind, it, it, I was so confident it's going to be a household name, but back then it was really humble beginnings. And so that you didn't have a lot of proof, you know, people want that social proof. Like, tell me, if I'm going to take this chance, you got to show me that other people that I respect already have. And no one wants to be the first one through the door, even though everybody thinks that they want to be the early. Everyone thinks in their head that they're an early adopter, but most people do not want to go do anything until they've seen a bunch of other people succeed in it. And then they're going to get on Twitter and be like, yeah, yeah, yeah I was on this early. Right. Right. Yeah. Same thing. And and you don't know what it's going to be. And, and we're learning along the way. Like at that point, also, uh, we have a sales team who's straight up just spamming the world. So we had so... It's kind of like that's similar to Kellyanne too. And you know, in, in if you'd visited Chicago, if you just landed from another planet in Chicago in 2002, and you asked about Kellyanne, you'd have people say it's the shittiest band in the world. You say you know the most embarrassing band in the world, and you have people say like, oh yeah, I, I love that band, but no one would say I don't know what you're talking about. They would sure. have they would have an opinion about it because we had pissed. We risked pissing everybody in the city off just not, <laughs> just not to be overlooked. And even before I got on the team here at Cameo, that was their philosophy too. So it was like by hook or by crook, just 1980s Wall Street mania, the cold emailing, cold DMing. You guys are doing uh, Wolf of Wall Street, just the app version. Yeah, total Wolf of Wall Street shit. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and, which is cool ultimately because, you know, it, Maybe it looked, who knows how it looked, but the thing is right now, once it does get traction, once it is proven and there are enough success stories that people understand, not only is it fun and not only is it really lucrative, but it's also really magical and, and you're really touching the hearts of these fans and, and you're getting press out of it and you're getting exposure out of it and new visibility and new fans are discovering you and your whole business across the board, uh, across the board is bumping because we also through some marketing behind you. And we also, you know, our PR team is getting press around it. It's now that that story is out, at least everybody 
in the world has our email address now. Everybody has like, I can't tell you how many people these days are like, told me that like, I had to go back and find that old email. I had to go back and find that old DM because you guys were on my mind because you were, you were hustlers and you were insane. It wasn't the right time. I didn't get it. I was also looking at 10 other startups at the time. And so now that now, thankfully that that's a really cool benefit to that attitude. And we're seeing it now. So, so yeah. So, and, and now, so cut to today, it's interesting because okay, it's over 40,000 clients talent who are on the roster across the board and you have mega success stories on the top end like snoop dogg making like a hundred grand a month on the app and you have caitlin jenner on the app charging twenty five hundred dollars each and you have mandy moore and busy phillips and you have it mentioned in television shows and howard stern and it's ellen's favorite app and she you know she used she made a cameo with ben affleck on her show you know and uh, you know but but close to home for me is is the tier of artists that were kill hannah tier or those warp tour artists those you know those guys that are not yet snoop level for whom uh you know every dollar really matters and we have now it's it's really cool to say just just proud of all those success stories too so you've got the simple plans and the black veil brides and the sleeping with sirens and you know all of our homies now just it's just something they use to keep going and survive and extend that that runway for that band so they can keep making more records and make the world a better place and not maybe go hang themselves the way you know <laughs> the way i almost did um so always that, a benefit yeah so i love that so so right now it's it's just fun as hell because now now the conversations are less less educating them that we exist and more so just creating fun cool creative like crafting the way that they use it in a way that makes sense for them. And let's do something, you know, unprecedented. Let's do something crazy. Let's, it's fun. Like the, the team here, even another reason why it was a lot of fun. I've had a lot of fun here is like, they're really snarky and ballsy. And it was, you know, when we were hiring engineers uh, last year, they had the ideas on our marketing team to um, engineers actually to get a plane and to fly uh, fly a banner around the Facebook campus inspiring, <laughs> inspiring everybody to quit. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, I'm like, that is the bomb. I'm like, that's exactly. And then when all the Facebook employees were in traffic on the highway at rush hour, they flew the plane back and forth above the cars in traffic. And I'm like, all right, that's, these are my people. These, that's, that's punk rock. Like yeah. that's like bratty punk rock shit. That like 22 year old Matt Devine would have fucking loved. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's the same stuff I used to do that I, that I come up with back in the day. So, I, so that's really cool to see. And then, and we've, we've carried that onward. So, so I, I love people coming to me now, artists, managers, labels, um, publicists with with ideas around what we can do and shake things up and do something never before tried and and make a lot of noise so that's that's cool and I, I think that's what I mean about also evolving into a, a better understanding of adulthood to to appreciate the fact that remove certain aspects of it and it's pretty much the same my brain is firing up in the exact same ways it was when we're getting ready to put out a record all the time. You know, you want to do something, you want to do something relevant. You want to try to be intrepid, pioneer shit. It's pretty much the same thing. And it's, it's, which is, which is really nice. So at this one, yeah, it feels, it feels like the perfect fit right now. And 
Yeah, which is fun. So every, I mean, even now where we are today is very different than where we were just last month and the month before. It's, it's really rocket ship right now. And yeah, the CEO describes it as basically a, a 747 that's being built mid air. <laughs> every, every day for us is unprecedented. No one, you know, we get, we want the series B was massive and, and every day, you know, there are new, new discussions. We're part of new conversations about where we could go from here and all of it's pretty exciting. Well, and I, I don't want to take up too much more of your time. I got like one or two more questions. Um, and, and that really leads to what I'm asking next, which is just the idea that we're in this weird moment right now. Like, I mean, literally June 2020, some states are reopening, some cities are reopening. Some of those are closing again, because unfortunately, you know, the virus is not done like a lot of people. All of us want it to be done and it's not, you know, so most people I think were like, okay, well I'll shelter in place for the spring, but then once summer comes, I'm outside. And unfortunately, and I hate to sound like a pessimist though, if there's anyone who can relate to pessimism, I'm talking to him. <laughs> I think like- My brand, baby. Yeah, I think a lot of cities and states are gonna move backwards. I think they're gonna move back into previous phases. And here's why I'm talking about the, the COVID stuff in this interview. I think we're gonna be back in front of our screens again, sooner rather than later, unfortunately. And I'd love to be wrong about that, but I don't think I am. So. For anybody who hasn't jumped on Cameo or for anyone who hasn't taken that next step to developing their brand, what would you tell them about the fact that like, this is not a fad, you know, I think developing a product, whether it's through Cameo or any other platform, that's really worth your time right now, because we don't know how long, you know, we're really going to be kept away from the outside world at large. Yeah, totally. We've, we've encountered similar questions. Uh, in the past as well, like in the in the early earlier days, um, we were known strictly as a gifting platform, and we had spikes around holidays. We're a very very seasonal business, and that was a question we back then. Okay, well, what happens after Christmas? Like, is, can this be sustained? Is this is this just a fatty thing? And and the way that we um, thankfully proved, you know, just fought that and. And actually now um, no longer are considered that, which is, which is incredible. It's kind of, I feel the same way about this. I feel, and, and not just us, but there are a lot of other companies out there that are rad that are now being, like I said before, it's just, it's just that it's being accelerated. The, the understanding of, of this thing, the, the relevance of this stuff, the use, the usefulness of, of these platforms take streaming, for example, just you know, streaming concerts. I put all these things kind of in the in the same category as yeah. I think we all agree that in the future that will become normal. But what's the rush? And it's down have, the line. It's yeah. Just yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. And then and then so we we've been a little bit of the beneficiary of that. Like like a lot of things. Like had COVID not hit, I can tell you my parents would never have used Zoom for another five years. Oh yeah. yeah, no, hundred percent. Everybody overnight. This be, it, it reminds me of Instagram. For a long, you know, we weren't using Instagram, and then one day, all of us were using Instagram, and it was just overnight. We all just adopted it instantaneously. Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah. yeah, Zoom. Zoom went from a foreign, silly-sounding name to suddenly just ubiquitous. And and saying, yeah, now my parents love Zoom. You know, now they're now they want to over Zoom and. <laughs> And, and it, it, it's similar. So, you know, would Zoom be considered a trend? Absolutely not. It's, it's a super, super vital tool that we're all coming around to understanding 
we're all probably pretty slow to it. Their, their founders and, and the early adopters of Zoom have, have known this all along. Finally, we're all figuring it out. And it's, it's similar, like we're kindred with a lot of those other, a ton of those other uh, platforms. And it's, the reason I know that is because, you know, and this is different than Kill Hannah. We, we found Kill Hannah fans that were, you know, we would get energized. And the way that I would sleep at night knowing that I'm not crazy. I, for a while, it's like, am I fucking crazy? And we literally, <laughs> I mean, my parents would ask me, are you crazy? Because you're telling us that this band is going to go. You're telling us that, you know, you don't want to ever do anything else with your life. They were trying to tell me to become an architect. They're like, Matt, you got it's It's my dad's big thing was call me every couple months and say like, it's, what do you say? Like not shit or get off the pot, but it's, it's one of those things. Right. One of those, <laughs> one of those failed threats. And, and you know, it's, it's make it or break it time. Right. It's, it's Hey Buster. I hate to say it. I think it's make it or break it time and uh, start looking at something else, even though he supported me all the way through, but it was, I couldn't quantify that. I was not crazy. I couldn't measure that. Um, I, all I knew is that when I met kids after shows and they, and they'd spent three hours waiting and they tell me that they, uh, you know, that we're giving them hope in a new way. That's, that was my fuel to keep going. That's how I thought maybe I wasn't alone in it. And this is similar in this, but even much, much, much more so in that remove COVID from the equation at all, only more so now, but whether I'm at a bar talking about it, I'm in a meeting talking about it, um, Without fail, this has been the sort of thing that uh, people are reaching over. They're like tapping my shoulder. Did I hear you say cameo? I have to tell you about what happened. Everyone has a story. Everyone starts smiling. Everyone has an experience. You know, oh my, oh my brother's in this frat, and he, you know, each one of them bought a cameo to do this. You know, or um, hey, it was my mother's. You know, for Mother's Day, you know, my my sister and I got you know got my mom a cameo, and and people start glowing and they start smiling, and it brings people together, and that's more kill Anna was tough because i couldn't convince everybody at all like not even obviously <laughs> not even close but it's like me fighting the universe all the fucking time it's like you know fighting that tidal wave knock down the door but then another door comes back and like, this this has been uh similar in the sense that it's a hustle similar in the sense that it's trying to do something um that's never been done but all the signs that i've been getting are so positive and so real and and it feels so good to be a part of something and and it, you know with or without me it would be but it's it's just like really spreading happiness and now if you, if you so if you add this new code you put it in the context of what's happening with covid it's accelerating those moments so there are more and more of those moments we just had our millionth cameo you wow. know but it's also how cool that it's happening at a time when the world needs it also. You know, we need to smile. We need to be surprised. We need to know that other people are thinking about us and want to do something sweet for us. And um, so it's a lot of, I get a lot of reaction videos of, of people watching these when they get them for the first time. A lot of people crying, laughing, screaming, running around their house. And so, so yeah, so that's a long answer to the question of, is it, is it a trend? It, it does not feel like a trend at all to me. Yeah. Well, and I just want to hit one or two more quick questions here. Like, you know, basically Cameo, I saw they're now doing Zoom calls. Like, what else is on deck? How do you see, you know, at least what you can talk about, how do you see the company evolving, developing, you know, branching out and trying new new things in the digital space? You know, and then also, like, what's what's next for you, too? So basically, what's next for Cameo and for you? 
you know, together or separately? Yeah, I mean, we, we decided, we didn't decide, uh, even before I joined the team, it was decided that while there's a ton of potential to branch out in different ways and to offer new features and to evolve as a product, it made a lot, it was a lot smarter to stick with one thing, do it beautifully and be known for that. That's what we have done. And then now slowly, now, now there's actually, yeah, I probably can't talk too much about it, but it feels like the time is right where, where it's, we have enough of a real solid community, enough of positivity and trust out there that we can systematically and intelligently offer new new SKUs, new new products, a little more customization for the artist. You know, an example of that is Snoop Dogg was on here, you know, and he had a price set for shout outs, but he didn't think that was a fair price to do a branded shout out. He'd, he'd rather charge his fan one thing. He'd rather charge a rolling paper company, you know, another price. So we made a tiered pricing, like a business price for him. And that also led to just obviously a lot of other conversations about how else what would make an artist want to use this more? What, how, what other freedom can, can we give an artist to, to get even more out of this and make it more of their own? So yeah, a lot of those features are gonna start rolling out and a, lot, a couple of things that you mentioned, uh, I shouldn't talk much about it, but <laughs> yeah, it's, it's exciting because if, I feel like we have done all of that work. It's all that getting to the point where there's 40,000 talent on the platform allows us now to start having fun in a way that that we couldn't have before so so yeah so that that's what's next for us and again thank god in terms of our board in terms of you know investors it's like the scariest silicon valley you know like blood cult (laughs) uh, members of the world that are that are giving us really good advice and so where yeah i'm excited to see where it goes and i'll let you know but then yeah next for me i don't know i mean this is, I can't really think about what's next. Every, every day is, it's, it's just a lot every day. So what's next for me is just to, I want to just ride, you know, ride the wave, ride the rocket. And um, ideally like be a big part of, I just, I want Cameo to be a, a household name in music as, it, as it's becoming, but I want it to be just a tool, a ubiquitous tool for artists. And I want to be a part of journeys of some, some artists from where they are to where they're going and just be, be a big part of the conversation and the way, the way things are heading and what we're starting to see. I mean, we're going to, we're really disrupting the music industry in a, in a, in a really big way. And I think it deserves to be disrupted. I mean, it's a moment that this could be a whole, we could go on for another two hours about this next topic, but basically like, I just interviewed, you know, Joe Shanahan and a bunch of the concert venue owners here in Chicago. And obviously it's very tragic that the venues can't open. But at the same time, if the venues can't open for three, six, 12 months, whatever it ends up being, who knows what it'll be, something has to happen, you know? So I think the music industry at this moment in time is due for another evolution and to move forward because, you know, 20 years ago, artists could sell CDs. Now they can't sell CDs. They're not making that money from uh, Spotify. So all of a sudden, if they can't do meet and greets in person and they can't do live performances in a room with 5,000 people, something else has to happen. So I'm excited to see what happens, man. Um, This was awesome. We really got to like dig deep on a lot of stuff. And man, this is it's fun to catch up with you on a personal level because you and I, 
we have known each other for a very long time from around the Chicago scene back when that was the Chicago scene. And I'm proud and I'm excited to see you not having to just fight this kind of like uphill battle, but to be on a winning team and be able to like really enjoy what comes with that. And, and really, I think take a lot of that energy you always had in Kilhanna and now really be able to activate that on a larger scale, man. That's very cool. So I'm glad you have that happening. Well said, brother. Yeah. Thank you, man. Absolutely. Always, always great to see you. And let's not, let's not wait another year to do this again. Absolutely, man. You know, whenever we're traveling again, I will uh, hit you in LA, but Matt Devine, head of music partnerships at Cameo now, and everybody can check out Cameo.com. Uh, is it Cameo or bookcameo.com? Uh, it's Cameo.com. And, yeah. you know, people are, are free to reach out to me personally, if they ever want to. Um, you can share my, my Instagram, my email if you want. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, and I guess, yeah, last point, just full circle, the fact that, wow, what are the odds that this is also a Chicago based company? You know, I know, man, I know that's the perfect thing. It's like, I love that you're working for a Chicago music company. That's how it has to be. So like perfect symmetry, perfect. There's something really poetic about that. I love it, man. Uh, This was great to catch up. Matt Devine doing cool shit, man. Thank you so much. Hell yeah, brother. You've been listening to a production of Dynasty Podcasts. Find more Dynasty Podcasts at DynastyPodcast.com. For the dynamic dynasty, Dynasty Descend.